Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Road to Know Her podcast. This is a new podcast aimed to educate, inform, and empower women to take control of our health. I'm Alex. And I'm Emmy. And we're trying to fill in the gaps of knowledge when it comes to our bodies and well-being. It's our very first podcast. I know. And I can't wait just to find out more about my body, more about what's going on, whether it is body aches or fatigue or period pains or people with PCOS symptoms and nobody really knows what's going on so I'm really excited just to learn a little bit more from people who actually know their shit. So for our first episode we will be covering gut health and we have a very exciting guest. Dr Megan Rossi, the founder of the Gut Health Doctor, is a complete expert in her field and a full-on powerhouse when it comes to empowering women to take charge of their health. Megan is a registered dietitian and nutritionist with a PhD in gut health. She's considered one of the most influential specialists in this area. She's a leading research fellow at King's College London, where she's published over 50 scientific papers to date. Megan's frustration that these huge scientific findings weren't reaching the public and that disinformation in the media was rife brought about a move into the public eye. And she now has two books, a huge social media following and a regular spot on The Daily Show this morning. She's also founded a gut health clinic in London. So without any further ado, here is our first ever episode with Dr. Megan Rossi. Thank you so, so much for joining us for our first ever episode. We are absolutely buzzed. And also, I don't know about you, Emmy, but I feel like my gut is very much calling out for you, Dr. Oh Megan gosh, Rossi. It really is. I had my breakfast and I was like panicking about what to have. I was like, I need to be on point for me. No judgment zone, ladies. No judgment zone. But I'm sure we can make a few little tweaks to enhance your gut health and therefore your mental health, heart health, all of the rest, which I'm sure we'll dive into. I think the first question is, what do we mean when we talk about gut health? Because I feel like that word has come more into the vernacular. People hear it a little bit, but don't really know what it means. Yeah, absolutely. It's such an important question, right? Because we hear it all the time. But actually, the, the meaning or the science behind it is not the science behind it is not often communicated very accurately. So essentially, it relates this nine meter long digestive tube that essentially delivers food from entry all the way to exit. So we have nine meters literally coiled up in each and every one of us. So it's That's this big mad. long tube. Yeah, I know, crazy. Um, and it, that nine meters is incredibly important for literally thousands of functions. But if I narrowed it down, I guess it's really three reasons. And the first one is the good old saying, you are what you eat kind of not that accurate it's more of you are what you digest right so no matter how healthy the food you put into your body is if you don't get that food from that big hollow tube to get absorbed into your blood system to feed things like your skin and your hair then you know you're not really making the most of your food so you need to have good digestion and that's really the first element of gut health is digestion and we've known about that forever so it's nothing new nothing exciting 
The second element we also have known for quite some time, but I think COVID-19 really brought it to life. And that's the fact that 70% of our immune system lives along that nine meter digestive tract. So again, yeah, we see people who have better gut health, have more resilient immune systems, you know, less likely to get cold and flu. Um, And even COVID-19 was a really interesting one in terms of gut health. But I guess it's this third element that's brought the fame to this nine meter long tube that historically people kind of didn't want to talk about. It's not the sexiest of topics. (laughs) Um, And that, of course, is those trillions of microorganisms like the bacteria um, that I'm sure people are starting to hear more and more about. And they live along that nine meter digestive tract. It's only been, I guess, in the last decade or so where we've appreciated that those little microorganisms, those bacteria are literally game changing. Like humans couldn't survive without them. So much of which we probably thought was out of our control down to genetics, health risk, all that sort of stuff. Actually, if we treat these little guys right, they can do so much to support us. So it's kind of like you've got more superpowers within you, but you just need to know how to make them your friend versus your enemy. Yeah, I love that analogy. Great. And is that those microorganisms and bacteria? Is that what people mean when they talk about microbiomes and microbiota? Is that Look is it? Fancy. Look at you. Oh, You're all over the site. All. So yeah, there's two words you probably hear thrown around about. So we've got the gut microbiota and the gut microbiome. So the gut microbiota is those trillions of microorganisms that live together. So it's actually the little organisms that are bouncing around producing hormones and vitamins and all that sort of stuff. The microbiome is those bacteria and the fungi and all the rest of those microorganisms, but also includes the chemicals they're producing. So it's kind of like more of the whole environment. Um, so oh. you don't need to necessarily know the difference, but if you want to get into the science, like a, be a nerd like myself, then that's kind of the key um, difference between the two words. And this is a really basic question, but how do you know if you've got good gut health and how do you know if all of that's working properly? Yeah, um, it's it's not a stupid question at all. It's like the most common question I get asked and certainly one that can be a bit frustrating for clinicians like myself because it's like, well, actually, there is no single test, right? So unlike with kidney function, heart function, we do have these tests that we can just get and it's like, okay, this is what your kidney function is, this is where your heart's at, right? Um, but with the gut, because it's so complex and it's starting to encapsulate so many factors, there is no single assessment at the moment. So when I was writing my first book, I wanted to help people get a bit of a better idea because I was so sick of, you know, people asking, asking that and not getting, not being able to answer it. So I developed this 10 question assessment. You can access it completely free online at the Gut Health Doctor. We can link it below. And what it does is gives you a better idea of where your gut health sits from a scale of zero to 20. So the 10 questions include things like, you know, yes, do you have digestive symptoms, but also how often do you get sick? Are you on medications? how much sleep are you getting? You know, what are your stress levels like? Because we know all of these factors actually help impact and determine what your ultimate gut health kind of score is. Um, so I usually get people to do that at the start. Then any sort of tweaks they want to make to their gut health, they trial for like four weeks and then repeat it. And as a scientist, I just love being able to help people quantify the, ha- the new habits they've created, whether that's actually benefiting them, because there's so many, you know, I don't want people to waste their time. If it doesn't work for you, don't do it, right? But it, it needs to be measured in that kind of scientific way so people feel more empowered. Like, you know what? Yeah, actually, my my mood has improved four points. Like, this is working for me. I'm going to continue doing it. And it feels like a lot of the things you just touched on, so the things that doctors 
doctors often advise us to do, which is think about sleep, think about stress levels, all those things, which we know affects our well-being. But I didn't really know until just then that that all actually is because it affects your gut health. So it's not just your overall physio. Well, it is your overall physiology, but it is because it's going to and affecting the gut, which is amazing. Yeah. So I think the the thing I really love about gut health is it has empowered us to understand more about why some of these you know, quite boring or basic recommendations actually do really work. You know, it comes down to like my my eating habits. So, you know, whatever I'm having, like I am, I'm all about inclusion, right? So I'll have chocolate bars, you know, I'll have takeaway, all that sort of stuff. But every time I'm having something, I think, okay, so what's something there that I'm obviously going to enjoy? I want my taste buds to be happy because, you know, that's really important for your, your mood as well. But actually, what are my gut microbes going to enjoy? So it might be a case of, yeah, I'm having a chocolate bar, but I'm also going to have a handful of nuts because it's these plant elements that the bacteria really love. Or I'm going to munch on a carrot because actually I want to feed the bacteria that love carrots as well. So it's it really has kind of made this new habit of I'm ensuring that every time I'm putting something in my mouth, I'm not just treating my taste buds, I'm treating the gut bacteria because I see them as like a bit of a bestie, a bit of a, like a you know, this... <laughs> love it secret weapon within me to help me achieve all the goals I have whether that's career-wise family-wise all that sort of stuff we all know that as soon as you feel sick or you're getting sick you can't achieve the things that you set out to do right so Mm -hmm. it is just so important that we do try prevent that or treat Mm -hmm. it if, if we're having an issue and the science is all linking it to the gut and we've obviously grown up in this like diet culture as women. How important is it to have things like carbs, to have all these things that people say like, no, cut them out, then you can lose weight. What are those important things that we have to have in our diet? I know, look, we really have been led astray with this whole dieting thing. Um, and, you know, we, we now see that a lot of these things about the fear of fat, for example, I was definitely brought up if everything should be low fat, actually can be working against us. And actually might make us want to want to eat and binge more. Um, and all of this like fear mongering around any sort of sugar and cutting out fruit because fruit contains sugar, all of that sort of stuff actually has been shown to have a negative impact on our gut microbiome. And in turn, we know our gut microbiome is so important for weight management. So what I, I've certainly seen in, in my own clinical practice is that when people go on these restrictive diets, yeah, in the short term, they'll lose a little bit of weight, but after about six months, they then, if they start to, you know, go back to eating a little bit more normally and not being super, super restrictive, they actually not only regain that weight, but they regain extra weight because we think the reason or mechanism for that is that during that restrictive phase, they've damaged their gut bacteria, which are really important in regulating things like ghrelin and leptin, the, the appetite hormones, um, as well as things like how our body stores fat and how our body stores um, sugars and things like that. So that's thought to be why there is not only that regain weight, but actually extra. So this whole restrictive thing, you know, it actually is is not leading to the outcomes that people want or deserve, which infuriates me because people, no one wants to really cut their food out for fun. Like everyone, you know, food is an enjoyable thing, but people are so determined they really want to achieve their health goal if it is weight loss in this scenario. And, you know, I'm all for empowering people to achieve what they want, but they've been given the wrong information and therefore... They don't, they never really get to achieve that long-term weight loss that they're after because the information is wrong. So yeah, in terms of those different things that you said, we know that 
I've got bacteria's favorite food is plants. So there is six different plant-based food groups. Now I'm not going to quiz you guys on it, but if I do (laughs) come back on your podcast, I I will quiz you and I will make sure that you've remembered all all six. So you've got your whole grain group, right? So that's what people think as your carbs. So things like your quinoa, your buckwheat, your wheat, your oats, barley, all of that is incredibly important for supporting the bacteria through metabolism. Then you, so your whole grains and you've got your veg, your fruit, your herbs and spices is another category. You've got your legumes. Yeah, people what? don't think about herbs and spices. Yeah, yeah not about herbs and spices. Turmeric, um, coriander, basil, all of them are packed with these things called polyphenols. Ooh. Yeah, which essentially is like a fertilizer for your gut bacteria. Like they absolutely wow. die for them. So, you know, Amazing. when you're cooking, even if you're not confident in the kitchen, just like adding a sprinkle of mixed herbs, you know, it's so it's small amount. So you taste it as you go to make sure you don't ruin your meal. But actually that's doing good for your gut. Even if it's that's all you do today for your gut health, you are actually making progress there. And then you have your nuts and seeds as your sixth kind of category. And the thing about them, which comes into your question about that diversity piece, is that each six categories, I call them the super six, provide our gut bacteria with different profiles of of plant chemicals. So this is an important concept because a lot of people who want to go keto or paleo will say to me, look, I'm still getting in loads of vegetables. Yes, I'm cutting out the legume family or the whole grain family or the fruit family, but I'm getting loads of fiber, which is like the backbone of all our plants from vegetables. And I say, well, that's great because we obviously know that fiber is important. But the thing is, the bacteria that like the quinoa or the, the legume family they're not going to survive. They're going to die off. And it's those bacteria that have unique skills that the vegetable-loving bacteria don't have. So you're narrowing down the types of bacteria and therefore the types of skills that your body possesses to do all of these bodily functions. Um, And the same goes with the herbs and spices, as you said. So, you know, if you're not into herbs and spices, I wouldn't say go go ho and try to change everything at once, right? Um, But across the whole week, from those super six, we do see the scientific studies suggesting that at least 30 different types of plants is what we should be aiming for as a starting point. Um, So I've created this bit of a plant system because all of my clients are like number focused. I'm like, instead of calorie fixation, which is not science backed, actually, if we look at the details in terms of weight management, but let's count plants. So I've given all the different types of plants a point, but herbs and spices, I've given a quarter of a point. So, you know, if you have an apple and a raspberry, you get two points because they're different types of of fruits, right? Um, But if you have coriander and basil, you only get a quarter of a point for each. That's half a point together versus two. Um, so yes, it is good to get diversity of, of the, the herbs and spices in, um, but I wouldn't say that it um, is as important as getting in the diversity across all of those super six. Okay, Good to um, know. We're not about to go make a spice cocktail after this then and try and down it. <laughs> <laughs> and also the way that you've clearly numbered different plants and herbs and spices feels like such an achievable way for people to actually track what they're eating and making sure that their body is getting what they need it's it's amazing yeah I think that's the the thing with gut health science is that a lot of people can get a bit overwhelmed by it right because there's just all of like literally every day there's new scientific papers coming out if, if you're kind of into that side of things it just really upset me that despite all this amazing research we were doing the message was never being translated in a simple way 
to people. So people were so confused. They were doing the opposite of what was good for their gut health. So that's why I was like, you know what, I I need to try and help translate in a very simple but science-backed way. And so that's kind of the two key. If you can think about your own diet and across the day, try to get something from each of the super six um, food groups in your diet. So a lot of people, you know, don't get any sort of legumes in their daily diet. I'm talking about teaspoon or tablespoon of chickpeas, like super easy. The canned version, you don't need to like soak it and worry about this. It's really convenient, really cheap and accessible. You know, just adding that to your diet, ticking that off, that is going to, like it's not going to be overnight. It'll take about three months. But getting in the super six every day is one of the most science-backed and simple and effective ways to get good gut health within three months. And I can totally relate to the feeling of feeling overwhelmed because so last summer I went to go see a nutritionist because there are a few different things going on. My skin wasn't great. I had achy joints, things like that. So I just thought, let's try and heal this holistically. And I thought it was really useful and really helpful to see a nutritionist. But I did get quite overwhelmed and sort of felt like I needed to do another degree to understand what I was being told because it was like this food group will give you a bit of magnesium or this will give you this. And I didn't understand it all. Whereas since we've been talking, I really feel like variety is a key and just being mindful of those different groups is so much more more simple for us and our listeners and just super helpful. Yeah, and it sounds like a very kind of simplistic message, but we've, I guess done the science for you behind it to work out that if you're getting in, you know, the super six across um, the day, then yeah, you're very much likely going to be getting enough magnesium, you know, the various types of fiber, your V B vitamins, etc. But what I would add to that in terms of, I guess, the, the whole picture um, is that the science is very supportive of mostly plants, but not only plants, right? Now I completely understand if someone wants to go vegan for, cultural and religious reasons, for animal cruelty reasons, environmental reasons. Like there's so many reasons why someone would want to go 100% plant-based. Totally respect that. And if that's where you want to go, then absolutely um, there are a few additional supplements I would recommend you to take for optimal health. But actually for everyone else, adding things like oily fish in your diet twice a week to get those omega-3s, fermented dairy, like quality uh, live yogurt and quality cheeses, actually adding them in is also really beneficial for your gut health and your overall nutrition. So it's a super six. Um, and then also getting in particularly the, the fermented dairy and the uh, oily fish. And that is kind of all you need to think about. The science has been done to ensure you're getting enough of the calcium, you know, enough of the omega-3, the fatty oils and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's probably an important principle because I do see a lot of people fall into this trap of of hearing plants so often that they think they have to go plants only. And in terms of just health, exclusive of just human health, that's not necessarily the healthiest thing to do for your body. And when it comes to oily fish, should we be eating lots of different types of fish each week? Should that variety be in each category as well? Yeah, really good point. Though There kind of is quite a different range of categories, but the omega-3, which is kind of the key element that you want to be getting out of this oily fish, it doesn't necessarily matter where you get it from. It's the same chemical, but across all of those, you know, four different types of, of oily fish. Um, so if you are vegan, I would get a, a type of omega-3 supplement. And similarly, if you just don't eat your fish at least twice a week, I would also get an omega-3 supplement. I very rarely recommend supplements, to be honest, but omega-3 is one. There is really good evidence, not just for gut health, but systemically in terms of, you know, the mental health inside of things. So I'm very pro that one, uh, ensuring you get it in your diet somehow. 
Is it easier for our bodies to digest it through foods rather than supplements? Absolutely. Um, And that's why I'm all about food first is because food has this incredible like synergistic effect. So not only um, is it a case of our body is better at absorbing it when it's kind of in this food matrix, these, these different micronutrients and the vitamins and minerals, but also there is this synergistic effect that we see when you eat a food. So for example, prebiotics, so there are these special chemicals that feed our gut bacteria that's found, for example, like in dates, that actually helps our body better absorb calcium. So when we have a meal, actually, you don't even need to think about it. If you're just thinking diversity, you're going to be having, you know, the, um, you know, dates with some a calcium source. So it might be, you know, dates with some nut butter. That's a great way to enhance the calcium absorption from the the nuts, right? So it's just these these little things which you don't need to think about and fixate on or make a good food combine. As long as you're thinking diversity and trying to get in all the different things, actually your body's having, the food's having the synergistic effect of absorbing the nutrients versus the supplement world, which actually often you, you pee out a lot of it. So you're wasting your money to some extent, but also there is these kind of they interact with each other. So for example, like iron and calcium kind of counteract and they don't get absorbed very well at the same time. They can have that effect. So yeah, supplements, there is kind of uh, limitations to them over food. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What kind of ailments might people be experiencing not knowing that it's actually down to gut health? Yeah, it's, this is what, again, I get so excited about in terms of the scientific research. It's it's not just linked. And historically, I think we just thought gut health, pesky gut symptoms, which, you know, is important because 30% of people struggle with gut symptoms, whether it's bloating, constipation, stuff like that. But actually our gut, that nine meter long tube, specifically the gut bacteria have the biggest role impacts the health of pretty much every organ in the body. So there's all these different, we call them connections or axes. So there is this direct gut-brain axis. So there's been studies to show that if you nourish your gut health, you can 
clinically improve your mental health. Similarly, there is the gut skin axis. So we know that what's going on in your gut can play out on your skin. Of course, genetics come into this as well. So it's not just a case of, you know, I've got acne, therefore I just need to sort out my gut and it'll go away. Um, I want to always be very realistic with people. But certainly what we see is that nourishing your gut has these far-reaching benefits. And, you know, obviously the the most obvious one is the immune system, as we highlighted before, that, you know, if you look after your gut, yeah, you will have a more resilient immune system. You're less likely to have days off work with cold and flu and all that sort of stuff. That's so, it's so reassuring that you can actually affect all these little things and it's not just genetics and obviously there's genetic side of it, but that you can actually really help your body just through eating. Can I just ask, how much does actually come down to genetics and how much can we influence? Is there a scientific answer for that or do we not? Yeah, I mean, it depends what area, right? Um, But we do think, um, I guess, overall in terms of like chronic health, things like type 2 diabetes and stuff like that, maybe, you know, 20% max might come down to genetics. Um, and and the other percentage comes down to kind of diet, lifestyle, how they treat our gut microbiome. Now, there are some other cases where genetics will have more of a play, like more of these genetic conditions. I mean, Parkinson's one we're kind of still not sure about. There is certainly a link with the gut, um, but we think probably more of a stronger um, kind of genetic component that you can – it looks like there is a link between nourishing the gut in terms of preventing – But if you've got the genetics, it makes it even harder to ever overcome that. But yeah, so it it really is, like you said, the ultimate word is empowering, right? We look at our family history and we go, God damn it. Yes, we've got those crappy genetics. God, you know, (laughs) Roman Granddad, why did you do that to me? Um, (laughs) But there is ways to empower your body to reduce your risk. And that's all that we can really do and ask for, I guess. That's That's wild. 20%. That's so small. Yeah. And hopefully we've come a long way from grandma and granddad's age when all they had was meat and two veg. So hopefully we're slowly healing generationally anyway. Yeah, I would say, though, that they had a lot of other things in their favor in terms of it's not just diet for gut health. And I think that's probably an important point is that, you know, I've seen in clinic people who have the ultimate perfect gut boosting diet. But you know what? Um, They're super stressed. They're like anally clean. They don't play in the dirt and, you know, not getting enough sleep, not moving their body. These other elements, these other pillars of gut health is making them have like a, yeah, it limits, I guess, the benefit that they're getting from their diet. And I think there is, I mean, this whole hygiene hypothesis that we certainly are becoming too, too anally clean and COVID I think has just really brought that to the forefront (laughs) where like, I get it, you know, if you're on public transport, obviously, yeah, you know, wash your hands, you know, straight after, but, you know, playing in an actual forest and getting that dirt on you, we should be celebrating uh, because Mm -hmm. it's full of, you know, billions of microorganisms. And then there's this whole kind of element of food additives. Now we just know like a lot of these ultra processed foods, particularly like these ultra processed vegan burgers, interestingly, um, actually may have a negative impact on a lot of people's gut health. So try not to have too many of these ultra processed foods just because it's, says vegan sausage roll doesn't mean it's you know healthy for you um and actually maybe going the normal sausage roll could could even be more beneficial because obviously you know when they take out the meat often they add in extra additives to to create this profile of of taste and flavor but yeah i mean no one's perfect and it's about inclusion not exclusion so yes you know i still have some of these ultra processed foods like i don't have time to make everything from scratch um but it's a small wins where you can like you know if it's once a month bulk making like chickpea patties and then freezing them 
and then we have yeah, a hectic yeah. week literally take them out and it's it's kind of ready for you it's kind of prioritizing the small steps you can make and obviously this is a women's health podcast so talking about women's health and our menstrual cycles pregnancy all those things how can gut health really affect women yeah, this is a very cool area. Um, we've discovered that our gut bacteria actually helps recycle estrogen. Yeah, so we know that our gut bacteria, and in fact, it's this collection of, of microorganisms called the estrobilum. So these are the ones which actually, when when our body recycle, like chucks out estrogen, it's like it's old estrogen, gets it into the gut, and a lot of people would typically poop it out. If you've got the right bacteria, what it does is helps reactivate that estrogen and then it can be reabsorbed and have a benefit so there's some really cool research out there particularly people going through um, the menopause perimenopause and showing that if you really focus and nourish your gut health during that time you can reduce you know things like hot flushes and those other um, unideal side effects uh, that we are all likely to experience to some degree but with diet we can actually um, help that in fact there's other studies that have linked uh, certain dietary patterns like the omega Omega three, so the oily fish, and more legumes in your diet. So both of them are nourishing the gut. Um, can delay the natural menopause by around four or so years. So what? we know, yeah, oh that is worth right. it. I am getting, getting on the, on the beans. <laughs> yeah. But with the beans, I think everyone's like the legumes. Everyone's like gets really scared because they're like, oh, it's going to make me bloated and flatulence and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's important we de- demystify this area. So yes, we know that these legume families are high in what we call a prebiotic. So they're fertilizers for the gut bacteria. So if you go from not many to a whole lot, like a bean curry or a whole lot of hummus or chickpeas and stuff like that, your gut bacteria binge eat, right? Just like if we were, you know, on a diet and then we were faced with like a chocolate platter, a lot of us would be like binge right now <laughs> and they get too excited. They eat too much of it. And one of the things they produce is, is some gas. It's fine. It's normal. It's natural. Um, and they produce all these other amazing beneficial chemicals, but they do produce some of the gas. And so if they binge eat on that, they produce quite a lot of gas. And if your gut's not used to it, then it's going to cause some trigger, some bloating, maybe some altered poops because your gut's like, well, what's all this extra gas going on in there? So what I recommend is 100% we need these in our diets, females even more so, but slow and steady. So buy a can of the mixed beans or whatever your favorite is. Um, triple rinse them can help reduce the load of those prebiotics at the start. So get them in a, a strainer, triple rinse them, and then put it in a container and leave it in the fridge. And then for lunch or dinner, just have one tablespoon every day for the first week. Second week, go two tablespoons. Third week, three tablespoons a day. And actually that teaches your body and your gut microbiome to more effectively digest and use that gas. So it doesn't kind of get trapped in your gut or have to come out the back end. Um, So I actually have legumes every day and I do not get bloated from them. But historically, when I first started on this journey, absolutely would get really badly bloated. So it's a case of you can teach um, your gut to be able to be efficient at uh, digesting the gas, which is just the side effect of having loads of beans. Wow. Brilliant. And just quickly going back to the hormones and sort of our cycles, do we need different sorts of food to nourish our gut at different times? And is, would you suggest that as women, we learn about that and go and explore that? Or is it just, again, super six always? Yeah, look, that's a really good question because there is a lot of these kind of myths out there around seed cycling, for example. Um, so I think people have probably heard that they should have you know things like 
um, limb seeds and pumpkin seeds at certain times of the month to help regulate the, the phytation and all that sort of stuff. Now, that's actually not very science-based. So the, the only time where I would say actually probably worth making a few tweaks is, you know, leading up to your periods and during your periods, you have your experience period poop. So like diarrhea, looser poops, right? Oh, and that's yeah. just a case of the hormone <laughs> changes. It changes the motility of our gut and therefore um, that changes kind of the consistency of our poop. So if that really bothers you, then we know that things like limiting down the spicy foods, limiting down probably the prebiotics during, you know, those seven days, um, you know, making sure you're not having these sugar alcohols known as polyols, which is in things like sugar-free chewing gum, a lot of these sugar-free protein bars and stuff like that, you know, avoiding large amounts of fruit juices and things like celery juice and stuff like that. There are a few little tweaks and having large amounts of caffeine um, that you can make to help improve the consistency and therefore not get such sloppy poops around that period. If it doesn't bother you, don't freak out. It's just normal. Go with it for the seven days. But if it is bothering you, that's when I'd say there's a few dietary interventions. Um, and again, I've got all the information on the website for free to access if people want to go, okay, yeah, that's happening to me. It's bothering me. What should I eat? Then then check that out. But otherwise, go your super six throughout the whole cycle. Love it. Amazing. Please tell me that blog piece is titled Sloppy Poops. <laughs> it's called, not Sloppy Poops. It's called, I call it Period Poops. Period Poops. Love it. I don't know if the, the search engine of Sloppy Poops would really go down well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to know what else would come up. <laughs> yeah. um, not great God. SEO. Yeah, yeah, not great SEO. In fact, you should see my Instagram in terms of some of the people love. They feel so open with me, which is great. I love that. Like, in you know, I analyze people's poops in the lab at King's when we're doing these clinical trials. Uh, but people often do send me photos of their poops. I'm like, <gasps> do they? This, this line, okay? So in clinical oh, practice, when I request it, because I need that information to get some insight into what's happening, please send it to me. But if I don't know you and I'm not treating you, you're not my client or patient, <laughs> probably don't need to see your poop. Um, you kind of keep some things to yourself. Bold. I think that's yeah. worse than a dick pic. I'm not going like, yeah, to. I know. It's yeah, like, 100%. What do, I, what do I want? I mean, it's all, a lot of social media is oh a bit crazy. <laughs> Also, I love your social media because it's the perfect balance of being really fun, educational. You've just got it all. So to all of our listeners, make sure you go and check it out. It's brilliant. We'll put the link below. Without the poop. poop Without the poop. No. (laughs) Don't send those people to me. No poop. Amazing. And if we do get to talk to you again, it'll probably be post baby. <gasps> yes. yes. Yeah. So exciting. <laughs> Have you had any food craving different food cravings? Yeah, this is interesting. I get it asked all the time. So this is my second baby. So I'm I'm 37 weeks. So thankfully we've gotten through the podcast without any contractions. That was always the <laughs> Imagine delivering on I mean, it would be oh good for anything perhaps. But yeah. um that would be intense. But you know what? I, I think it, it's slightly different for different people, right? I think there is a level of kind of the placebo effect. People are like, I'm pregnant and therefore I can lean into whatever sort of cravings yeah. that I've got, right? So there's the psychological like gut-brain connection going on there. <laughs> I haven't really had any cravings, if I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, um, certainly went through periods of being like, plants were so hard to stomach, I, but I know oh, really? that they were quite important. So I would like hide them in smoothies because actually – uh, our baby's taste buds start to develop from about eight weeks in the womb. <gasps> and so what? there's no need to add pressure, extra pressure what? for pregnancy um, because mums, you know, it's tough being pregnant. Um, wow. But it is, again, it's about empowering people with the knowledge that actually mm-hmm. the things that mum eats during pregnancy, and, you know, I've had the 
loads of crisps and crappy food so don't worry it's not about perfectionism but in the back of my mind I'm always like I'm gonna have that carrot with my potato chips just Mm -hmm. adding in those little things because it can dictate baby's acceptance um of of these different plant foods when they do come out into the real world and you know what it's not just mom's fault I, I like to say um not necessarily in terms of taste buds but actually they've shown that dad's diet like three months um leading up to conception can actually impact no the health of the baby oh. at years like six to ten so guys the pressure is also on you it's not yeah. just about us oh, and i think God. that it's nice to hear because that's there's right. so much pressure on us females already yeah and it's we hard. are a feminist Wild. podcast so that's great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my oh. gosh, I've learned so much. Same. I can't believe that. It's been amazing. So thank you so much. I feel like we are well-informed gut girlies now. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank it was you. so lovely to see you, Megan. And we'll hopefully see you again soon. Absolutely. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.